Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm Neil DiPatino, your host. So glad you could be with us today. Uh, we've got a great guest coming to us from uh, Murray, Kentucky, uh, and uh, we're really happy to have him with us. He's the founder of Arden Growth from, uh, again, from Murray, Kentucky. Welcome to the show, Skylar Greaves. Skylar, welcome to the show, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Neil. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you being here, uh, kind of looking at your uh, website and uh, your LinkedIn, trying to get a basic idea of who Skylar is and what your business is all about. You've built a heck of a business, and we're going to get into that here in just a minute. But before we do, uh, we'd like to find out a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your. Uh, tell us about Skylar. About Skylar, that's a good question. I. Um, so my name is Skylar Reeves, founder of Art and Growth. I come from a very uh, somewhat diverse learning as I go background. I uh, grew up in Kentucky, went to the military, uh, spent some time as a combat medic with the 3rd 8th Marines and a few other different uh, units over in Iraq. Did that for a while, enjoyed it. It was a good opportunity to to sort of give my, myself a chance to, to grow up and learn and, and, and figure out to maybe mature a bit before I figured out what I wanted to do with life. Uh, as I wrapped up that, I decided I want to go to college. Went to college, studied philosophy and pure science. Um, got pretty deeply heavy. Uh, very, very invested in that. And enjoyed it, loved it. Still study uh, philosophy and do a lot of computer science uh, to this day. And then went to work in the private uh, private sector afterwards in uh, logistics. And uh, spent most of my time uh, solving algorithm problems, really. And then uh, being one of the few people at the company that knew how to write code, they, I think this inevitably happens to folks when you're at smaller companies. They say, hey, can you, can you, you can build our website, right? And uh, I'd never built a website in my life. And I said, sure. And so yeah. I did. And uh, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I sort of fell into the world of uh, web design and marketing and things like that. And it was a, it was an interesting moment. I, I never thought about it prior, but it really, it really clicked for me once I realized that it was this perfect intersection between what I had a background in doing, which was design uh, mixed with how do we think about and solve problems and how do we solve them with, you know, technology, uh, code, things like that. And yeah, uh, did that for a while and then started my business and <laughs> here I am. So here you are. How long have you been in business? How long has Arden, Arden been around? Uh, we're going uh, right at be four years next, uh, this coming up April. Outstanding. Congratulations. It's interesting. You could tell a real true entrepreneur when they tell you something like, uh, you know, there was a problem that somebody needed solved and I had no idea how to do it, but I knew I could figure it out. So I did it. And that's how I started my business. So I, I, I love that, man. Congratulations on that. And also thank you very much for your service. Appreciate that. Oh, th thanks for paying taxes. So outstanding i was actually just talking with my partner he was in the military as well kind of his story sounded very similar to yours in that uh, he was in the army uh, and he was stationed over in uh, afghanistan and uh, had a little bit of downtime so he finished his uh, college career at university of phoenix and he learned how to do seo and that type of stuff and he actually literally got his first client while he was in afghanistan they had no idea who was there he was just yeah you know reaching out to people and it, and it ended up working out and he's created a heck of a business uh, since then and we've actually partnered up and created this business too so i love working with entrepreneurs i love working with people who uh you know have a talent and uh and then they basically take that talent to go out and try to solve problems and and it sounds like that's kind of what you've been doing for for the last four years anyway yeah i mean i, I couldn't 
um, you know, when, when I was working at that company, they asked me to do it. You talk about, you know, never doing something before and just saying, okay, I'll tackle it. I mean, it, it beats just doing the same boring thing over and over again. Um, I would get, I would lose my mind if that's what I had to do. So, and uh, I'd never really thought about entrepreneurship uh, before that and started consulting. And when I eventually started this thing, I mean, once you start, right, I don't think there's any going back. Not that there's not times where I think that it might be easier uh, to, right. you know, to go back and work for somebody else, but you know, I think we all have those moments, but, uh, yeah, I can never go back now. So, no, I totally get that. I'm, I'm with you. I've been in business for myself for the last 14 years. Uh, I came from the corporate world and, uh, was ready to retire and then just kind of, uh, kind of like the, uh, Godfather. They, I thought I, when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So here I am doing podcasting now and having a good time talking with Skylar here. Um, I was looking at your website, something that kind of came to mind and, and I think it kind of goes with what we were talking about and coming up with solutions, even when you don't necessarily know what that solution is right off the bat. But you say on your website that growth is a byproduct of failure and you should embrace it. Can you maybe dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah. I mean, so we're, we're big about this here. The, you cannot grow unless you fail. Like it's a buy, like if you think about it, like an analogy would be like working out, right? Like you have to tear the muscle down in order to build it back up. Now you have to give it the nutrients and the, you know, the, um, the, the energy and the materials it needs to rebuild, but you have to put some sort of action, some, some, some sort of friction in play in order to, in order to grow, uh, from that. And so, uh, for me, one of the standout moments was I remember, I remember all throughout high school, I just was abhorrently uh, bad at math. And then I, uh, when I was in the military, I remember coming across a book by Carol Dweck uh, about uh, called Mindset. It's all about the the growth mindset, and it was um, she was a psychologist wrote this book, uh, discussing a lot of studies that they did on children and things like that to, to sort of identify what were characteristics behind people who were praised for being smart versus being praised for the hard work that they did. And the kids who were praised for doing hard work tended to be able to withstand more, um, they had more resilience when it came to more difficult problems and challenges and they wouldn't give up and they would kind of double down and keep going. And I remember reading that book and one of the things that struck me, uh, like one of my key takeaways from it was, oh, I'm not bad at math. I'm just lazy. I just, I haven't put in the effort. And so, and so then I did. And, you know, at the time I, I would have never imagined being someone who was going to go and get a degree in computer science and, you know, graduate with, you know, high, you know, accolades and things like that. But I wouldn't put in the effort and said, okay, I'm going to go teach myself math and, self-taught myself through calculus and then went to college and became a computer scientist. And I would have never imagined that being possible. And that book was such an unlock for me. And I remember thinking that uh, from that point forward, I've, I've really reoriented the way that I look at things and the way I think that, you know, most people really should. And that's, you're never really, you never really fail until you completely give up. Every time you fail, it's just part of learning, assess what, like what happened, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Right? Did I put in the effort that was required? Did I do the work that's required? And be honest with yourself, and then reevaluate again and go back at it. But as long as you don't give up, you you haven't really failed yet. So, um, or at least you haven't quit. So, right, right. You know, and and I, you know, if you don't try, you know, you don't know. 
Yeah. yeah how I mean, many how many people have actually gone out, had a great idea, had a plan, and didn't execute, or or maybe they 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 it's just still sitting on a desk or on a on a laptop someplace. They've never tried to execute it because they're for fear or whatever the case might be. And not to, and it's not to say that that luck doesn't play a role. It does, right? You have, you have, mm-hmm. When it comes to timing, when it comes to resources, the market, anything, you know, whatever it is going on in life, luck plays a role, but you can't control that. But you can control the effort, the work that you do. And so all things being equal, you know, I'm not going to rely on luck and I don't think anyone else either. So it's like, well, let me just keep putting myself in. And, you know, uh, one thing I remember hearing Rory Sutherland talk about this, um, the, uh, uh, I think effectively leads Ogilvy, but basically said, you know, you can't, you can't uh, guarantee you're going to be lucky, but the more at bats that you have, right. The more, the more situations you put yourself into the, you increase your odds. So, you know, every time you go do something, you don't know if you're going to be lucky, but you know, if you don't go do it at all, you're guaranteed to not get lucky. Well, you know what the answer is going to be. That's for doggone sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said that really kind of caught my ear and I love that is that you identified that you just weren't putting the effort into it when it came to math, right? How many of us actually think that we are putting the effort into it? And first of all, Congratulations on that. That's that had to be a tough situation to you know to to be able to tell yourself that. But how many of us actually think we're putting the effort in? But in fact, we're really you know we're really not. Um, You know, everything's relevant, right? So what we think is good effort might really not be really that good of effort. Yeah, I don't know. I because it's hard for me to to think like you know what does someone else think that they're doing? Um, I think that if you're if you're running a business or you're in any sort of high level capacity of a business, like you, you have the type of mindset where you're able to be honest with yourself. And, and you know, that I think if I ever told myself I was doing enough, I would probably be lying to myself because I I can always do better. I'm not trying to compete against anyone else. I'm only ever trying to compete against myself, but you know, there's always ways to improve. There's sometimes where it's maybe not worth it, right? You get diminishing returns, but But I think if I think maybe if you ever start telling yourself that you think you're doing enough, that might be a, a pretty good indication that uh, that you're not quite as aware. Yeah, kind of fooling yourself a little bit. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about your business. So Ardent, uh, you started that business. Uh, you know, you're you're building it. You're a marketing. You 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 specialize in um, you know developing more revenue for clients uh, through lead generations, that type of thing. Um, when we were talking before we got on the podcast, I asked you a little bit about who your customers were. And you told me that, um, yeah, you gave me a little bit of indication who they were, but you're like, they're, you just want to pour gasoline on people who are already successful. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me about your clients. Yeah. So we've, I mean, we've worked with a lot of different folks, but over time we've been focusing more and more on working with other marketing agencies, um, especially the ones that they have a market, they have a product, they know what they're doing. They, they know already how to differentiate themselves or they have the capacity to. So we really try to find folks who are already doing well and they need the time. They, they just don't have the resources internally um, or don't want to hire them internally uh, to be able to build out and execute and grow faster. And so that's, that's where we kind of fit in. We think it's, um, I think when you're choosing a market, you could go try to help everybody that's kind of weak or you can, go help people who are strong. So it's kind of like pick winners already and you, you get the win with them. So, uh, so currently working mainly with marketing agencies doing, yeah, usually north of, uh, 7 million upwards of, of 30 million. 
uh, kind of in that range. Most of them that are probably in the seven to 10, we're trying to get them to 20 million. Um, that's where we kind of find our sweet spot. Um, it leaves us with enough of the recurring same problems that we see over and over again that we can help folks solve. It's like, we've seen it, we've done it, we can do it again for them. Uh, once you start to get above that, it really becomes less of a marketing problem, more of an operations problem. It's just how do we, how do you grow the team? How do you retain talent? You know, how do you uh, continue to train talent? Things like that. So that kind of steps outside the marketing world. It's more of a, uh, more, more on the operation side after that point. Okay. So it's not really a, uh, you're, you're a marketing companies, marketing agencies, and you're not necessarily providing them uh, services or products that uh, are like marketing oriented, but really more, at uh, least said operations, more people oriented, that type of thing, helping them to develop better staffs, better uh, systems, that type of thing. Is that, is that correct? It, it depends on the size. So if usually when they're when they're sub 20 million, it's, it's most of the time it's marketing. It's basically, it's like, they know they need to do marketing They're They know how to do it. They just don't have the time. They always say they're going to do it. They just never, you know, they're always too busy putting out client buyers, things like that. And yeah, so, yeah. so they're just like, you know, hire us and we just do the marketing for them. Um, sometimes it's us kind of coming in and reconfiguring like, Hey, what's your offer? How do we position this in the market? Like how are you positioned in the market against, you know, relative to the competition? Maybe they haven't done formal, um, I say formal, but it's really just standard market research, right? To really understand where their constraints are. How do we alleviate those? It's when you get above that 20 million mark, that's, I think it starts to become more of an operations problem and we'll assist in that. But we also usually defer to people who, you know, specialize in, you know, building out a more robust leader te leadership team, adding that extra layer in. We'll usually refer folks to, um, to people that we've seen do it before that we think uh, do better in that area. So that's not really our core focus, but we'll consult on it a bit and point them in the right direction. Right. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I've had a marketing business now for the last 14 years. And one of the things that I found, and, and, I've, and I've had other conversations with other people who do the same thing. Uh, one of the hardest things that we have is promoting ourselves to some extent, because we're so, once you start getting business and you start building business, you're so concentrating on developing and, and working for those clients and putting your energy and manpower into that, that a lot of times either you push your own marketing aside or you push your own operations aside so that you, because you just don't have the time, like you said. So, so that's kind of where you're at. That's kind of what you do, what you help people with then. Yeah. It's, it's a con. I mean, uh, I've seen it time and time again. I'm sure you have to, I'm sure you experience it. I'm sure most people who are running businesses have experienced it too. It's, it's very easy to get on that roller coaster, right. Of, okay, we've got our clients. I don't have time to market right now. I've got, we've got to do the work for them. We've got to maintain them, keep them happy. And, you know, then the moment one of them churns or you're trying to grow more or, you know, you need, you need more capacity. It's like, now you got to go back, turn on the marketing, you know, tap again. And, and it's not a, that stop, start kind of approach is not, it's not the best. It, you, you always have switching costs. You always have, uh, it takes time to get it up and going again. Right. Versus just keeping the engine humming. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, we try to just say, Hey, I mean, would we ever be able to do the marketing? You know, obviously the more involved that they are on their side, the better, but a lot of times at that level, they don't have a marketer internally who also understands how businesses really run. And that's, I think that's where we can really help because, uh, on our side, like from a strategic perspective, like we're diving into the PL, right? We're like, like, we don't think about this just the way marketers would think about it. We try to think about it the way, you know, 
an actual CEO would think about it. So, right. So sometimes they're just too close to the force to see the trees is, is what it sounds like you're telling me. Um, let me um, ask you this. So as far as your process is concerned, when you're engaging with a, a potential new client, what are you looking for? How do you engage with them? And uh, I mean, obviously everybody's a little bit different. Every situation is a little bit different, but can you give us maybe kind of a, kind of a rundown of what that would look like? Yeah, typically the first thing we want to do is uh, I always recommend it's start with some sort of diagnosis, right? You have to get the lay of the land. Just like if you're starting in a new company, you have to figure out, you know, what's working, what isn't, who, who's here, what, you know, what do we have in place? What do we not have in place? And so what I like to start with on the marketing side is market research is really saying, okay, let's go out, let's survey your market. Let's figure out what your numbers are when it comes to standard levels of, you know, if we survey hundred people, right. And they're in your target market, if you have a target market, if you don't, it's like, we got to fix that, but they usually don't get to the level that we work with unless they have one. So, uh, we're going out, let's say we survey hundred people, right. And it's like, okay, I want to know now of what percentage of those were you top of mind, what percentage were aware that you existed with aided recall, what percentage of them uh, have considered you in the past, what percentage of them prefer you and then what percentage of them who have worked with you or are currently working with you would recommend you to others. It's your standard marketing, you know, survey questionnaire to figure out how your, how your high level funnel works. Right. And, uh, it varies, right. Depending on what those touch points are on how you go to market, how, how your interactions with customers work, depending on, you know, what type of emotion you have. But, um, we're usually just running that survey, getting those numbers as well as some qualitative data, doing some, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews with, with the market, um, customers and non-customers to try to figure out what the constraint is. Where is the constraint in the market that we need to solve, right? If not enough people know you exist, okay, now we know that we need to fix it. It's an awareness problem. If not enough people are preferring you over the competition, okay, we have to figure out how do we position you differently? How do we make, you know, make it more compelling and, you know, and then begin to employ the tactics or, you know, various things to, to facilitate that, whether it's, you know, case studies or, or, you know, uh, the way you have your pitch deck or something like that put together. Right. So normally it's going do a diagnostic survey, figure out where that constraint is and then fix the first constraint. We always, we operate underneath the theory constraints. It's, there's always going to be a bottleneck, find the bottleneck, fix it. It will then reveal the next bottleneck. Then you fix it and you just keep going. Fantastic. I, you know, so uh, the last person I was talking to here recently, another person I was talking to recently was talking about uh, finding holes in the pipeline because a lot mm -hmm. of times yep. those pipelines, uh, you know, they develop leak. And so you got to plug those holes and it could be anything from, you know, your lead gen to a lot of the things that you were talking about. So it sounds very similar in, uh, in, that's, in, in what you're doing, but you're doing it specifically with, with marketing agencies who are working with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Not for their client, like not for them. We'll, we'll teach them. And sometimes they'll take and um, employ some of this. A lot of times they've, they often end up leveraging some of the tech that we use. They'll use it for their own services, but, but we do it specifically for them. We've had several try to get us to, you know, white label and provide work for their own customers. And, um, you know, we just don't like, it's not the lane that we play in, but that's uh, your thing. Yeah. We, we stay pretty firm on that. So it's, that's uh, good. It's we got to stay focused. That's yeah, right. Exactly. I, I, yeah, absolutely. So can you maybe give us an example of maybe somebody that you're working with? I mean, you don't have to get names or anything like that, but where, you know, your process has helped them and what the results uh, have been. So one that comes to mind here recently, this was probably like the bigger win of the year that's uh, that's stuck out to me. Um, 
it was less around marketing and more around it's it's partially marketing but it's also as you get into that mixture between marketing and sales and uh, their biggest uh, constraint that I saw at the time or the one that was at least most pressing to them was uh, around their pricing um, they just they weren't pricing themselves where they needed to be and they didn't have a compelling way to justify their price um, with where I told them that it probably should be so what we did is they had uh, they were working on a deal a very large contract um, and it was one of the highest uh, I think they had pitched them around four hundred thousand dollars what they were going to charge and uh, they had lost the deal. Uh, they weren't, they weren't going to get it. And the, they were in such a unique situation where the, the company actually offered, told them to, you know, give it one more go. And, uh, so they asked me, they said, you know, can you get directly involved in this and help us? So we use some tech that we built. Um, we have a product that we, that we sell to folks called the total searchable market. So you can think of it like a total addressable market, but we think of it from a search perspective, um, where we basically ingest all the data that we possibly can cluster it together and then it prioritizes it using an algorithm we built so that we know you know one how much value is in the market where's the value at and like what's the best way to go about you know capturing that value um, just so we can reduce opportunity cost and so we mapped this total searchable market out for them and after looking at it i i put together like a little deck for them and told them hey uh, your problem is one year. I think you just weren't pricing it enough. I think they were expecting something significantly higher because you weren't showing them the opportunity. They were, they wanted to get excited because they had told the, the customer or the prospect had told them that they were number three globally and they wanted to be number one. And while they weren't in a, you know, huge, you know, they're not, uh, they're not, you know, Tesla or anything like that. Right. Like coming at them with a, with that low of a budget and, and not being able to really articulate the value was a problem. So we showed them how uh, to change the way they pitch, the way they sell, the way they position themselves, how they can talk about the value that the market has um, or what the potential is. And so they showed it to them. It was like a six, six slide deck. And uh, I told them to pitch it for 1.9 million and uh, they closed it like 1.8. So nice. that was a, uh, that was a big win for them. Um, it really helped them, especially as some of the software community started uh, kind of, uh, you know, the funding was drying up or, you know, earlier in the year, things like that. And that, that really helped sustain them, but the company was excited. They wanted to go, they went to the board, got approval for additional budget and they've been off to the races ever since. But, uh, it was after that, that, you know, we sat down further and I said, let's really think about how you're doing your pricing and how you're presenting value, um, and how you articulate it and, you know, how to, th how to really think about this from, uh, the business perspective, like from an executive's perspective, like show them the opportunity, show them what it's going to cost to get that, you know, to, to capture that opportunity. And th from there, it's, you know, otherwise you're just kind of putting a number on a, on a deck or a number right. on a quote. Right. I'm like, right. You really got to tie it back to value. So we really focused on that. That was, that was more hyper specific than what we typically do. That was more of a, uh, you know, it's kind of like they needed a, like a special task force for it. So, um, but that was one of the more, um, memorable wins uh, that we got for somebody this year. So outstanding. So sometimes people just or businesses in general just need to have somebody come in and uh, 
kind of show them the way a little bit because you are, you're so close to the forest. You can't see the trees. I mean, in this particular case, I mean, obviously it was a great payday for them. So that, that worked out really well. Con congratulations on that. So yeah, you got to break their self-limiting beliefs. You know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some people, I think the common thread that I found in, in having you know, on this podcast and talking with other people is that leaders have a tendency to get in their own way. And it's just a matter of having somebody like you come in and say, hey, you know, you got to get out of your own way. And this is how we're going to do this. And, uh, yeah. you know, and I they get, have to be I willing to listen. Mine. I get in my own way, too. So, you know, well, we all do. It's, yeah, it's, it's never uh, it's 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 always easier to diagnose. And, and I think it's just problems whenever you're not the one that's closest to it. So, right. So, right. Does, I mean, you know, anybody listening, like we, we all experience it. Right. Like it's it's common. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Listen, uh, Skylar, we're getting very close to the end of our time together. Um, before we leave, though, are there any closing thoughts, any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with? Make the most of the bull run next year as we go into election cycle and some <laughs> interest rates drop. Like, be strategic about it. Um, yeah. Uh, if you've got opportunities to capitalize next year, uh, do it because uh, I think it's going to be you know who, who knows what's going to happen afterwards, right? So right. we've had a, we've had a rough year, but we're towards the end. Hopefully, you've got your fiscal planning already uh, done well in advance. But rest up and tackle January. You know, hit the ground running. So. I like it. Good, good information. I, and, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. So thank you so much for that. Hey, uh, Skylar, if somebody wants to get in contact you uh, and find out a little bit more about Skylar, about Arden, how do they go about doing that? Probably the best place would be um, either our website, ardengrowth.com, or uh, just search for Skylar Reeves on LinkedIn. That's uh, that's the probably the one social channel that I'm most active on. If you message me, just tell me you heard about me on here or I will probably never respond. I'm sure we all know what it's like to have our LinkedIn inboxes just constantly I, hey, flooded. So I get it 100%. Well, listen, Skylar, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a great guest. Um, that's all we have for today, actually. So folks, thank you very much for joining us. Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan uh, Media Works. Uh, check us out on titanmediaworks.com. That's work spelled W-O-R-X. And check out all of our other great hosts at the Small Business Delivered Network at smallbusinessdelivered.com. Until next time, have a great day. Look forward to seeing you again. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.